Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, Fright Night, the 80s vampire classic. It stars Chris Sarandon, William Ragsdale, Roddy McDowell, Amanda Burse, Jonathan Stark, Dorothy Fielding, Stephen Jeffries and Art Evans. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. This um, th- this has one of those classic '80s horror movie posters. The like cloud of fog with vampire fangs coming like over the house uh, burned into my brain as a kid going through video stores. I don't know if I've seen this since the '80s, the late '80s, uh, but. Yeah, um, all the time. Uh, you know, it does have a. I think I don't think it's just a spiritual success. I think it's actually supposed to be an actual kind of sequel, The Fright Night with Colin Farrell and Anton Yelchin. That, came... that was a remake. I think 2011. Yeah. That was a remake. And um, this movie had a sequel, Fright Night Part Two. Okay, but well, this is the one I, yeah, I grew exactly. up on. These let's Directed, focus on this one. <laughs> Tom Holland, uh, Child's Play, Thinner, did a bunch of episodes of Tales from the Crypt. I mean, this is a resume of someone who you'd expect on a movie like this, and uh, it's a good choice. Tom Holland, the director, not Tom Holland, the actor, not Spider Man, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you're right, Tom Holland. This was his directorial debut. His first film, yeah, yeah, and what a what a film! I I am going to show my cards early. I I love this film. I yeah. absolutely <laughs> love this film. In the eighties, it was The Lost Boys, it was Fright Night, and you're right. This this poster, it is so iconic. But going through Holland's credits, he also wrote the 1983 sequel to the classic Alfred Hitchcock film. Psycho. He directed and co-wrote the the first Child's Play film, kickstarting that franchise. And Fright Night, something that he has come back to later on in his career. There's Fright Night comics, and there is a book, like it's a new book, Fright Night Origins. And if you get the audio book, it's narrated by Chris Sarandon, which is pretty cool. So it's a prequel to to this movie. So Tom Holland is very much still in the world of Fright Night. But again, there's just something about this about this film. And it's interesting that you mentioned the poster so early on, because while blocking a scare scene, Holland asked visual effects man Randall William Cook if he could devise a shark mouth for just one of the vampires. There was neither time nor money left in the budget to create an elaborate prosthetic, but Cook agreed to concoct a rig over the weekend under the condition that it would only be seen on screen for a few seconds. And it ultimately went on to be featured extensively 
in the film and was utilized in the movie's famous poster art. So it was yeah, just meant to be a quick <laughs> blinking you'll miss it thing, and it became yeah. something that was closely associated with the look of this film. And just on the special effects, like this film, it came out in what year was it? It came out in 1985. 85, so a year after Ghostbusters. So what happened with this film? They inherited a lot of the VFX team that were working on Ghostbusters in 84. And with that, a puppet was created for the ghost librarian's monster visage in the opening of the movie, but it was rejected as being too terrifying for a PG movie. So then the FX crew subsequently went to work on this movie and they realized the rejected model resembled the vampire bat that they created. So they were able to repurpose it and use it as a vampire in this movie. So that's what I mean. The effects, the practical effects in this film are excellent. So again, this film came out in 1985. It grossed 24.9 million at the box office. Since its release, it has received positive reviews from critics and has become a cult classic. And again, it was followed by a sequel, Fright Night Part 2. That was in 1988. Remake in 2011. And then a sequel to that came out in 2013, Fright Night 2, New Blood. Yeah, uh, the music in this as well. Um, classic 80s synth um, in the John Carpenter style. Uh, Brad Fidel being the guy responsible, whose credits, Time Cop, True Lies, Terminator 2. Like, and the Terminator, the first one. Like, yeah. That, that's that's him. Yeah, and, uh, and a lot of the like uh, PC-style gaming and uh, other stuff associated with the Terminator franchise through the 90s and early 2000s, he was the composer for as well. It's great. It's funny because having not watched it since the 80s, I actually listened to a uh, uh, a synth pop or new retro wave band called Perturbator, who have a song called Come To Me, which yep. has the audio clip, this is Peter Vincent, welcome to Fright Night. And it's the song that, um, uh, the vampire Gary Dandridge keeps playing like that. He keeps playing a very synth like boom, 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 boom. That's actually the music from which this track by Perturbator is made from. <laughs> and so, yeah. watching this again, I'm like, oh, it's the thing that I listen to. It's on my phone right now. It's great song. Love it. Love the music. Like. It's again one of those things that in the eighties they just seemed they had these people who just busted these out like they were nothing. Yeah, and and, man, if, you're, like and if you're a John Carpenter, you just did it for your own movies. But yeah, this, yeah, the music. You're right. You uh, come to me. So it's featured prominently throughout the movie. There is a version that does include lyrics sung by Fidel. So that that version <laughs> is out there. A promotional video for the title song by Jay Giel's band was made, which used many clips from the film and received a minor airplay on MTV. So back when soundtracks, you'd have a song. I do miss that. 
I honestly, yeah. honestly do miss that. It used to be a thing back in the 80s, 90s, early noughties. Not so much now, but yeah, music plays such a big, a big part of this. And Chris Sarandon as Jerry Dandridge, he is so good in this. I always thought it odd that he would eat apples. That's the thing that he does in the movie. Turns out it was Sarandon's idea to have Jerry eating apples throughout the film. While researching vampire lore, he looked at information about bats and concluded Jerry had a lot of fruit bats in his DNA. So that's what's that is what uh, that's what's going on there. Yeah, he also has a peculiar way of eating them. Like there's a very like I don't know, he does it in a sinister way. I don't know how else to describe it. And they have such a crisp, like Poof! so you hear it and you're like, what? What? What is this? It actually comes across kind of creepy, like. And he is like the like the the dark eyes kind of unblinking. There's a there's a a coldness to the way he moves. And there's a scene where he's been invited in to Charlie's house and he uh he makes noise. Charlie goes to investigate. He's in his mother's room when she's asleep, which is you're like, oh crap. Breaks her door. And then just walks and strolls into his room. And then Charlie's goes back to the window to look out at him. And out he steps out that wardrobe. Man, it's creepy. Watching it, you're like, oh, that's terrifying. Because he just, doors slide open and he just confidently, like he's not trying to be quiet. He just is. Like it's really well done. Um, But yeah, just watching the scene. And he's just standing behind him waiting for Charlie to like notice. Like, <laughs> Yeah, well done, Chris Sarandon. Like, yeah, he does I mean, such a good job. There's some genuine jump scares in here. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of comedy as well, but there is some genuine jump scares. You know, going back to you know, you're saying how he was eating an apple. I mean, he he does have a theatrical background, so maybe he was bringing some of that theatrical flair to how he was eating the eating the apple. And and just on that as well, coming from a theatre background. He would have spent, you know, how many hours in the makeup chair, you know, over the years. So when it came to making this film, he helped apply his own makeup. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Helping them out, which was good. I mean, the the whole process took about eight hours for his final <laughs> transformations, how he looked yeah. at the end of the movie. It, it took quite a while. And with Sarandon, which I think is a pretty fun thing, like I said that he's is the narrator on the Fright Night Origins book. He makes a cameo appearance in the Colin Farrell remake, which is which is pretty fun that he came back for that. But Charlie Brewster, so he's he's the kid, and it's very much like Rear Window, or I guess the more modern version of that is Disturbia with Shia LaBeouf, you know, where you see, yeah. or a teenager sees something out their bedroom window, suspicious and William Ragsdale is playing Charlie Brewster in this. He's he's that kid playing a teenager. He's, yeah. He How old? wasn't. <laughs> so <laughs> he was 24 and playing his teenage girlfriend, Amanda Burse. She was 27 during filming, which yeah, uh... for the actor 
is a good thing because yeah. we've we've seen this before, whether it's Dracula or other vampires, where there's an attraction there to the main, you know, female character. And that's happening here. If it's a teenager, it's even creepier. But knowing yeah, yeah. that the actress is a grown-up, like she's a lot older. Yeah. And I've um, not checked and- this, but I'm pretty sure. Was she the neighbor? In married, in married with children, right. yes, she was. Yeah. I thought she was familiar. <laughs> I've always thought whenever yeah. I watch Fright Night, I'm like, is that her? Is that her from yeah. Married with Children? Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, and there's there's an earnestness to the their two performances of like uh, of Charlie and Amy, where he's playing kind of a little bit of a bratty um, teenage boy, uh, and she's playing like the 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 demure like innocent uh girlfriend who in a very dracula way is like reminds uh vampire of someone he knew like long before um it works like it's cliche yeah but you know when you got a 24 year old playing i've got to guess like a 17 year old 16 year old i'd say yeah 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 and you know 24 at the 80s that was young to be playing a teenager (laughs) <laughs> but she's 27 yeah but she's yeah. 27 playing playing a teenager yeah yeah um yeah and yeah they do a really good job uh, they Peter they Vincent, do played by roddy mcdowell he is like the crypt keeper he's like the 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 former actor who now introduces on tv the horror movie of the week um I, I mean the name it's got to be a, a reference to Vincent Price right like well that that's that's who they wanted so it's a reference to both Vincent Price and Peter Cushing so that's yeah. where Peter Vincent comes from yeah um he's great Rod, uh Roddy McDowell like and I do like the fact that one he's just an actor and he's like oh the children don't care about this anymore kind of like uh, that kind of style um and doesn't believe any of it. He's trying to put this kid's mind at ease. And then there's no reflection in the mirror. That's it. But before like, that, it's it pretends it's holy water, but it's not. And then, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a reflection. And then he's generally afraid, and he, do, he does come back. And I feel like I do like the remake. I mean, of course, it, it's nowhere near as good as this movie. I love this movie. There's things they do right about the remake, and I thought Colin Farrell was good as the vampire yeah or just having david tennant as this like cool like magician it was like a but he had gone through the same thing as his background like that's why i thought it was like a spiritual successor i thought he was supposed to be like a grown-up charlie because the same thing happened to him although the way it was portrayed from memory He's he failed like his his girlfriend or his mother died right okay so now he's trying to now he's like and he's tormented like this like his it's just it's a different his... is it, I'm trying to think is it something Angel like who's that American he's, yeah, he's he's Chris Angel to, he's supposed to be like Chris Angel yeah mind freak that's it so they were yeah. going for that whereas I much prefer what they're doing here like like you say you know somebody who he used to have a bit of a career but now. I guess similar to Elvira or the Crypt Keeper, mm. he's doing that kind of thing, like late night cable. He's just introducing the next movie or the next show. Yeah. 
But yeah, I get it. In 20, what, 2011, they had to do an update because we don't have horror hosts as far as I'm aware anymore. Like, we don't we, in I Australia don't, now. Yeah, we, I th- I'm not sure if we've ever had them in Australia. But so it in could the just US... still be, be a US thing. But I yeah. do really like Roddy McDowell. I think he does a really good job in this. Well, he does an excellent job, to be fair. Yeah. We've got Stephen yeah. Jeffries as Edward Evil Ed Thompson. He's so <laughs> cool, Brewster. Like, that's so yeah. iconic. You know, they yeah. call him evil, and, and obviously, and he hates it. And he ends up getting yeah. turned. And there's that awful scene where he's a wolf and he's killed by Peter Vincent and he's turning back yeah. into his human form. Yeah. He has that laugh as well. That <laughs> it's like, ah. like it's, it's every, like he's got the annoying laugh. And I'm sure there's most people knew a kid in school who was like maybe a little fringe and like way too into one thing specifically, but he's really good. It reminds me of uh, the original Buffy the Vampire movie. He kind of reminds me of um, uh, Luke Perry's best mate. Luke Perry plays Pike. He's this right, friend the, who gets taken. The David Arquette character. I mean, this yeah. movie predates that just by a couple of years. But yeah, I can see that. Yeah, like as while I was rewatching this, I'm like, that's exactly. I'm like, Jocelyn must have taken that guy's idea from from this because it feels so like inspired like by this by evil ed well when um, when i was doing prep for this like one of the things that i came across is that potentially well what what's happening with evil ed is him struggling with his sexuality and his relationship with charlie and him just wanting acceptance and he gets accepted by jerry and that's how he's easily easily turned so whether that's what was going on back in the 80s and that's what or it's just what people are reading into it now that's something that i came across but you're talking about his laugh the last thing you hear in the movie so yeah evil in in the traditional 80s like horror movie fashion like he's still i didn't quite get all of them yeah (laughs) yeah which i love um in the credits i saw Christopher Lee as Dracula. I guess they had to like re- credit him because they play a little bit of a Christopher Lee drag Dracula ah. movie on the TV. Ah, right. Whilst Charlie's looking through the, the window at the neighbor. I'm like, huh, how strange. Because the whole time I'm like, wait, what? I wrote That's it down. Notes. I'm like, I don't remember Dracula being in this. And then there it is. I'm like, ah, it's ah. such a strange thing that they have to reference. I'm like, never noticed that. Yeah, but. It's it was on IMDb, so part of the movie. I'm like, as when I saw the saw the intro again, I'm like, oh wait, no, nah, this will be why he'll be like he'll be watching a Christopher Lee movie uh-huh. for some reason. And they had to credit him. But yeah, it's um, it's it's so very 80s. Like the mother, like uh, she's not in it a lot. She goes on night shift which works in their favor because then she doesn't have to be around the house when all the, the terrifying crap's happening. Um, the outright bullying in a very, again, in that 80s way of like, oh, these bullies were psychos. Like they would kill and seriously maim people. His his car gets wrecked. No one says anything about it. Like, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. There's you know, just a bunch on of that, stuff going on. Bullies in 80s movies, it's next level. 
Like, it really yeah. is. Like, did you watch the, the horror film that came out last year, The Black Phone, with Ethan Hawke? No. Great film, by the way. It is a great film. But it's set in the 80s. I think, or was it 70s? But anyway, it, it, the bullying that is going on at high schools in in that time, it's horrendous. Like, it really yeah. is. Yeah, in school, it was always like, you know, because it's not like cyberbullying like today. This was like people with weapons and like horrific beatings and like uh, public humiliations time and time again. And like, you know, these kids never got anything out. Like this was a big thing uh, in the eighties, like, which when I hear about it today, yeah, it's awful. And people are like, Oh, but they, it follows them everywhere. I'm like, you say that like it didn't follow me everywhere in the eighties. I think the actual physical and psychological abuse of the eighties, please. And nineties, Far worse than that. I don't think people realized or remember accurately. But I guess how bad it was. Well, the, okay. <laughs> I mean, we, oh, we're talking. Okay, this is quite a serious conversation now. But the, the <laughs> difference, though, is bullying back then. You'd leave it at the school gate and you'd go home. Yeah. Now, social media and all of that, the bullies can find you at home. But anyway, we're we're here to talk about right night. Another cast member. Jonathan Stark as Billy Cole. Stark auditioned with the scene where he's being questioned by the detective. The scene was written to be played straight, but Stark decided to play it comically, which actually won him the role, which is pretty pretty cool. So he's the guy that's looking after Jerry. The man servant. <laughs> Absolutely. That that's that's who he is. You mentioned the movie already, Dorothy Fielding as Judy Brewster. Uh, working working late shifts. There is a Playboy Playmate in this movie, and it's earlier on. Heidi Saronson, she appears as one of Jerry's victims, and she was Playboy Magazine's Playboy of the Month for its July 1981 issue, in case you want to go back and, and check it out. <laughs> and um, she, as well as being in this movie, she was also in the 1985 comedy spy movie Spies Like Us and the 1987 oh, comedy Chase. Roxanne with Steve Martin. So, yeah, so she had a good run there between 85 and 87. She's yeah appearing alongside Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, Steve Martin. Yeah, yeah very interesting. There you go. With, with Jerry, so the idea that like, they're not going to dress him up like Dracula, but he wears a large trench coat, which does serve as a modern update of a vampire cape, which I thought was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I do love like when they go to confront him at the end of the movie, they've got, he's got Amy, uh, you know, he's, they, they, they think they're sneaking and he just walks out and then he does the, Welcome to Fright. It's so it's <laughs> is it theatrical and over the top? Yes, but he's a vampire. This is probably new to him, being able to be like so upfront and honest with who he is. Like he's got to take care of these people anyway. They'll expose him. But yeah, it's I, I it's it's one of those cases where chewing the scenery works in a serious setting because. He, you know, he not he's like there's no thought in his head that he's in he's threatened. It's like no, nah, 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 I got this. 
I get this, and I get to eat a, a a famous person. This is great. This is amazing. Uh, yeah, I love it. It's it's great. And the way that he's defeated, the sunlight coming through, which I do like because you do see it's a subtle uh, when Charlie when they first have moved in and Charlie goes to walk and try and check out the basement. You do see Billy Cole painting the glass black, and that wasn't just like a oh. Uh, like he's like I noticing that I'm like, Oh, he's painting the glass black, but you can see through the windows at the roof. And then, yeah, at the sequence at the end, it all plays through. I'm like, there it is. That was like, you know, that was Chekhov's gun. They had set it up. So when they got around to breaking it, that's why it was, they could move around down there. Um, You know, well thought out as you know, eighties movies, you got practical effects. You actually had sets. You couldn't use, you didn't have like green screen. You couldn't do anything creative in terms of like a half set or anything like that. Everything had to be built in full and planned out for their set camera rigs. Um, Cause the cameras were bigger back then as well. Um, yeah. Really well done. The vampire films in the eighties, 1987 is when we got the lost boys and Everybody knows The Lost Boys. I mean, that was the big one, wasn't it? And I've already reviewed that movie on the podcast. I love that movie. This film came out in 85. I've already said I I love this movie as well. I I really do. But Lost Boys is a favorite for most people. Most people have heard of The Lost Boys. This one, although does have a cult following and... I watched it a lot growing up and I watched it again last year. And when we, you know, said that we were going to review it for the podcast, I watched it again. So I've probably seen this film twice within the space of six months because even though I probably didn't need to watch it again, I watched coming fresh as, as I always like to do. I'm going to go first on this one. Normally I'd, I'd let you go first. I'm going to come in with a five. I'm going to come in with a five. This is a film that knows exactly what it wants to be. And, you know, the cheesiness, uh, the look of the effects, the, the, the practical effects, the music, the performances, everything for me just works perfectly. There's nothing that I would change about this movie. And again, like you know, there's books, there's, there's comic books, you know, there's so much more Fright Night to enjoy outside of this first film, but this is the one that I always, always go back to. What about yourself? I'm going to come in slightly lower. I'm going to come in at a four out of five. Um, but for if you're looking for an 80s horror film, this is an easy five out of five. Um the fork, the the loss of a point comes from some of the dated things. For those who aren't familiar with it, as we are, um, you know, it was shot in the eighties. There is a certain level of um, polish that's lost. The practical effects have aged incredibly well. Um, not the thing level quality of aging, but definitely the all of the horror film stuff from the eighties. Like this is one of the better ones. Um, I love the suspense, the the sound, the music, the acting is, I mean, these are not big names. It was very 
typical that you know usually a movie like this made a name rather than them getting a name for a movie like this which is what almost happens these days from time to time but i do love it it's it's as iconic to me now as it was when i watched it when i was a kid um the vampires themselves are very unique to the way fright night does them uh, especially towards the end when a when amy's like she's like oh and turns away and then pulls her face and she has like the like clownishly large like but terrifying like the, that's where the shark face comes in like the mouth yeah. like it all works really well I, I i do think it's brilliant um and it's a cult classic for a reason there's a reason they keep trying to remake this film it's because they achieved so highly with this first one um and you know vampire movies are supposed to be terrifying like you can do your twilights you can do like oh they're on the you know they're misunderstood there's a kind of poppiness to like buffy and things like that no 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 like i like my vampires like horror like this taken from traditional sources like dracula with the with the shape shifting they don't need to shape shift but i just think it works um and it adds a whole other element of like they can get in if they want like you can put a physical barrier. They can miss their way in. They can do, you know, they, they, they pop up. You, you see them behind you. You step around the corner. There they are. It's that kind of like they're, to, they're, they're the ultimate predators. Um, and this movie has all of that and a killer soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it's so funny that in 1985, they made a contemporary vampire film, but like, here we are <laughs> all the yeah. years later. Let's talk about how dated it is, but you have this, I love it. Again, I really do love it. I've got to be honest, I didn't expect you to come in with a five also. That's why I wanted to go first, just to get it get it out of the way. But I really do love this film. I I always have. Because, I mean, it's safe as well. Like Again, I watched this, you know, from like a young age. Like It's not a PG like Ghostbusters, but yeah. it wasn't overly scary. And just with, I don't know, there was just something something about it like it's not like watching a nightmare on elm street or child's play or yeah. any of those like it, it did have a softness to it so yeah it's, it's a film that i've always enjoyed um and i'm glad yeah. that we we got to got to review it yeah i think the reason for that is it's when it comes to the the deaths they're uh they happen off screen or it's just a simple vampire bite it's nothing overly gruesome uh, yeah maybe maybe the vampires themselves but you know they're the bad guys you're like yes when they go down you're not like terrified like oh dear god the yeah. like the yeah and uh, yeah but yeah i think that's probably why it works a little like i was like you i must have been like six or seven when i watched this for the first time i maybe wasn't <laughs> that young but yeah I, I was i was younger well not younger than you but yeah yeah well that's it for our episode all about fright night if you'd like to contact us about this episode or suggest a topic for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook at Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.